Welcome to Abergavenny Baptist Church, building faith and friendship. The cross, the, the symbol of Christianity. Uh, we, we see it all the time in stained glass windows. Many people wear the cross symbol on their earrings, on their necklaces. Many churches have a cross at the front of the chapel. We have a cross, a big wooden cross upstairs at the front of the chapel. And we have this big wooden cross here in front of our church today. We become so used to seeing the cross, we kind of expect just to see it. I often wonder how people would react if we were to change the cross, exchange the cross for an electric chair, how would people would re- how would we respond? We'd probably be shocked, to excuse the pun, uh, if we suddenly saw an electric chair at the front of the church. But the cross was just as much a form of execution. You know, in fact, the, the, the cross is one of the, the cruelest forms of execution known. It was abolished in AD 315. Because even the Romans considered it to be too inhumane. Let's not forget the reality of the cross. Over 2,000 years ago, Jesus was crucified, executed on a cross, even though He had committed no crime, even though He was innocent. This is the, the, the reality of the cross. And we remember that Jesus was flogged. Uh, in Mark 15, 15, we heard it earlier, wanting to satisfy the crowd, Pilate released Barabbas to them and he had Jesus flogged. Jesus would have been stripped and tied to a whipping post and he would have been flogged with about four or five thongs of leather interwoven with short pieces, sharp pieces of bone and lead. Then he was mocked. Mark 15, 16 and 18, the soldiers led Jesus away to, into the palace, that is the praetorium, and they called together the whole company of soldiers. They put a purple robe on him, then twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on him, and they began to call out to him, Hail, the King of the Jews! A whole company of soldiers ridiculed and mocked Jesus. They ridiculed His right to rule. They put a purple robe, symbolizing a purple robe of royalty, a crown of thorns on His head, and then they mockingly bowed down and said, Hail to the King of the Jews. If that isn't enough, we read in verse 19, Again and again they struck Him on the head with a staff and spat on Him. Falling on their knees, they paid homage to Him. They spat on Him. And then they struck him on the head with a staff again and again. And then thirdly, they executed him. Mark 15, 20. And when they had mocked him, they took off the purple robe and put his own clothes on him and they led him out to crucify him. They crucified Jesus on a cross. They executed him on a cross. They nailed him to the cross with six inch long nails through his hands and his feet. And then they left him to hang there for six hours as his life slowly drained away. That is the reality of the cross. But why? Why? What is the reason for the cross? Why would Jesus, the Son of God, be prepared to go through such a a humiliating, painful and gruesome death? Why? Well, in order to, to really understand why, we first need to understand what the problem was. And this is the, the, the biggest problem that every single person faces. And the problem is that we are in a broken relationship with God. We're in a dysfunctional relationship with God. We've turned our backs on God. We've rejected God. We've rejected His love. We've rejected the life He offers us. 
We, we, we've decided we know better and we just choose to do it our way rather than His way. And the Bible calls this broken relationship sin. And the consequences, the result of sin, of this broken relationship, is one, we experience guilt. Because it's our fault that we're in this broken relationship, because we're the ones who turned our backs on God, as a result, we experience guilt and we feel unclean. So often I watch the news on TV and I see all the evil in the world. I see all the cruelty, all the hatred, all the hurt. And I long to see justice. I long to, I want to see justice and I want to see God. I want God to come and destroy all evil. You know what the problem is with that desire? There's evil in my heart. There's selfishness and self-centeredness in my heart. And if God was to come and destroy all evil, God would destroy me because there's evil in my heart. You see, the heart of the problem is the problem of the human heart. And that includes my heart and includes your heart. Jesus says in Mark chapter 7 verses 20 to 23, what comes out of a person is what makes them unclean. For from within, out of a person's heart, comes evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance and folly. All these evils come from inside and make a person unclean. If I'm honest, I have to admit that there is selfishness, self-centeredness, envy and greed within my heart. And that makes me guilty. That makes me unclean. Secondly, addiction. Not only are we guilty of sin, but we become addicted to sin. Jesus says in John chapter 8 and verse 34, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Uh, the picture is quite clear. Uh, a slave in chains, unable to break free. And sin has an addictive power over our lives. It's so easy to become addicted to a bad temper, to envy, to slander, to pride, to gossip, to sexual immorality, to drink, to drugs. And, and we become addictive to behavior and thoughts that have a destructive power in our life and we, we're unable to break free. We, we wish we weren't like that. We, we want to change, but we can't because we're powerless. We're addicted. And sin has a power over our life. Thirdly, alienation. Because we've turned our backs on God, we experience alienation from God. Separation from God. If you choose to live for yourself, if you choose to live in isolation from God, you will experience alienation from God. You see, it's our selfishness, our desire to live for ourselves, to live in isolation from God, that kind of forms a barrier between us and God and prevents us from being able to relate to God. And as a result, God feels distant or even non-existent. We're unable to experience the presence of God in our life. And our guilt just drives us further and further away from God and makes that barrier between us and God even bigger. 
And this alienation from God is often referred to as a spiritual death because we're no longer in a relationship with God. Fourthly, death. Spiritual death. Separation from God, alienation from God who is the source of all life, ultimately leads to death. Eternal separation from God. That's why the Bible says in Romans 6 and verse 23, the wages, the consequences of sin is death. The ultimate consequence of sin is death. And the Bible says in Romans chapter 3 and verse 23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All have sinned. We've, everyone has at some point in their life turned their back on God. I certainly can't claim to have always been in a right relationship with God. There have been times when I've turned my back on God, where I thought I've known better and I've done things my way rather than His way, the selfish way rather than the selfless way. And as a result, I have regrets and guilt. I wish I could go back in time and redo things, but I can't. I'm powerless. I'm guilty. So what's the solution? Well, in order for us to be reconciled to God, in order for us to enter into a right relationship with God, the Bible says to us in Mark chapter 10 and verse 45 that Jesus came to give His life as a ransom for many. As a ransom for me and for you. Now the word ransom comes from the slave market. We can just imagine that a market full of slaves and people are buying slaves. A kind person might come along and buy a slave and then set them free. But they first have to pay the ransom price. Jesus paid the ransom price by dying for us on the cross so that we could experience freedom. Freedom from addiction. Freedom from guilt. That's forgiveness. Freedom from death. That's eternal life. And freedom from alienation. Freedom so that we can be restored into a right relationship with God. If you will, imagine this hand represents us. This is, this is you and me. And we've all done things wrong. We've all got selfish and self-centered desires in our heart. That's called sin. And let this book represent the sin. And it becomes a barrier. Sin becomes a barrier on us. And preventing us from being able to relate to God. And suppose this hand represents Jesus. Jesus who hasn't done anything wrong. Jesus who has a pure heart. Who's in this perfect relationship with God. There's no barrier preventing him from relating with God. He's in this perfect relationship with God. What Jesus does on the cross is He takes this barrier, the sin, all this evil in our heart, upon Himself. And so that we are now able to enter into a right relationship with God. See, on the cross, something happened. Something mysterious, something profound, something of cosmological significance. For on the cross, all sin came upon Jesus. 
all sin from the past, from the very first person, from the time of Adam, to all sin in the future, to the very last person, all sin and all the consequence of that sin came upon Jesus. For on the cross, Jesus is effectively saying, lay the blame on me. Lay all the consequences upon me. I will pay the price of this dysfunctional relationship. I will pay the price to restore this relationship. And on the cross, all sin came upon Jesus. All evil came upon Jesus. All blame and guilt came upon Jesus. And even death itself came upon Jesus. But they weren't able to hold Jesus. Even death couldn't hold Jesus. For three days later, Jesus rose from the grave and He defeated all sin and evil and guilt and death. We both can be in that relationship with God. Therefore, if we put our faith in Jesus, if we put our trust in Jesus, we can experience freedom. We can experience forgiveness. Freedom from guilt. We can experience eternal life. Freedom from death. And we can experience a restored and renewed relationship with God. Freedom from addiction and alienation. Do you or have you experienced this forgiveness? Do you know this forgiveness Personally, I remember hearing a testimony uh, uh, about a girl who had been a drug addict and a prostitute. She felt completely powerless to change her situation. She felt unloved. She felt dirty. She went on an Alpha course. And at the end of the Alpha course, she put her faith in Jesus. When she shared her story with the whole church after the Alpha Course, it was amazing. And it was basically summed up in this. She, she just stood there and said, Clean. I feel clean. Now that's an extreme example, but we can all experience that forgiveness and know that we are clean. Forgiven. And restored to a right relationship with God. So do you know that forgiveness personally? So why did Jesus die? Jesus died for me and for you. Jesus died because He loves you and He wants a relationship with you. There's a story of a, a, a new recruit who wanted to become a Marine. He was one of those kids that was always kind of out of step with the norm. And therefore he always became a, a very easy target for ridicule. You know how people like to give an offbeat kid a hard time. The particular barracks that he was assigned to had an extremely high level of bullying. And all the other Marines took great delight in making a joke of him and, and ridiculing him and, and, and just humiliating him. They came up with a great idea on how they could really scare the living daylights out of him by throwing a disarmed hand grenade into the, into the barracks and pretending it was about to explode. 
Everybody knew about this. They were all in on the joke and they were all waiting to have a, a great laugh at his expense. They threw the grenade in onto the floor and someone yelled, It's a live grenade! It's a live grenade! They all expected that the new recruit would go hysterical and probably jump out the window. But instead he, he jumped on top of the grenade, hugged it to his stomach and yelled, Run for your lives! Run for your lives! All the other marines froze in stillness and shame as they realized that the one they mocked and ridiculed was the one who was prepared to lay down his life for them. And it was the same with Jesus. Over 2,000 years ago, Jesus was ridiculed and mocked by a mob. Then he was crucified on a cross, executed, even though he was innocent. Yet he died for the very people who were ridiculing him and mocking him. And not only for them, but also for us. And today there are many people who who ridicule and mock Jesus by, by what they say or by the way they live. Yet Jesus died for them. But why? Why would Jesus die for them? Well, the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 5 and verses 7 and 8, Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though a good man, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates His own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus died for us. This is the reason of the cross. And just as those marines were frozen in stillness and shame when they were confronted by this amazing act of love, just how that amazing act of love by that that marine demanded a response from them, when we are confronted by this amazing act of love of God, that God loved us so much that He died for us, it demands a response from us. So the question is, how are you going to respond to the message of the cross this Easter. I can remember the first time I was confronted with this amazing love of God, that God loved me so much that He died for me, that there was absolutely nothing I needed to do nor could do to earn that love, that He loved me unconditionally, that there was nothing I could do to make Him love me more, there was nothing I could do to make Him love me less, that He he loved me because He loved me because He loved me. When I was confronted with that amazing love, it demanded a response from me and I decided there and then to surrender my life to Jesus, to follow Jesus and to love Jesus with all my heart, soul and mind and strength. How are you going to respond to the message of the cross this Easter? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are in awe. We stand in awe at Your amazing love for us that You the Creator of the whole universe, would be prepared to become a human, would be prepared to suffer, would be prepared to die for us because You love us, because You want a relationship with us. Father, we pray that this wouldn't be head nodding. We pray that this would penetrate our heart, resonate with us, that we would truly be in awe of that, that we would receive that love, that we would respond to that love by offering You our whole life. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. 
For more information about Abergavenny Baptist Church, please visit our website at abergavennybaptist.co.uk.